it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Blue White Illustrated's coverage of the 2021 National Signing Day for Penn State football. This has been a very exciting day, and we're presenting you this recap live on YouTube, courtesy of On3. I am your host, Tom Hannafin, and joining us, as always, from Blue White Illustrated. First, allow me to introduce Ryan Snyder, longtime reporter for Blue White Illustrated, and then, of course, the man who literally lives in the film room, Thomas Frank Carr, T. Frank. I've known him for a long time, uh, and it's nice that he popped his head out. So he's been into so many clips, so much footage of all these athletes. So we're really excited to be able to bring you this live breakdown. We want to hear from you guys. Hop in the chat, throw up your questions. We're having a lot of information coming your way here. Obviously, it's been an explosive day uh, in regards to National Signing Day. Not only nationally, if you're looking at Jackson State, they did some interesting stuff, but Penn State walks away with the number seven class in the country and a lot of reason for positivity after what was a tumultuous 2021 season for the Penn State Nittany Lions. So, Ryan, I want to start with you. Uh, just your overall takeaway from what Penn State did today. This was quite a haul. Yeah. I mean, you can't complain, man. Uh, number seven in the country, you're always shooting for top 10. And that, that's the goal. If Penn State's consistently able to do top 10 classes, that, that, that's a good thing for them. So uh, two, elite, two elite quarterbacks. I mean, one, one definitely elite quarterback and a, a, another who I think is being slept on a bit. Uh, we know Catron Allen and, and Nick Singleton have produced so much. Uh, deep group of wide receivers, some defensive backs who – especially K.J. Winston, who I think is being slept on a little bit. I mean, there, there's a lot of talent here. And, and most importantly, there's some top-end talent uh, who can make a real difference for them moving forward. So a uh, lot to be excited about if you're a Penn State fan. We're going to have Ryan with us for about 45 minutes here on the show, so we're going to get plenty from him uh, as we welcome T. Frank into the broadcast here. Thomas, as we kind of have been building up to this, there's been so much promise for the future of Penn State football. Obviously, in the last month, there have been some major developments. Obviously, the 10-year contract extension for James Franklin, more money for recruiting, more money for assistant coaches. You get a new defensive coordinator in Manny Diaz. You retain Anthony Poindexter. And now, all of a sudden, when things seemed a little bit bleak a number of weeks ago, I believe, for some Penn State fans, you have this slate ahead of you for a class in 2022 that, dare I say, rivals the class of 2018, at least in terms of ability on paper. What's your perspective? Well, 2018, and you have a quarterback. And as Ryan said, guys, you're sleeping on in terms of maybe some guys that because of those those high-name players at the top of the class, Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Deny Dennis Sutton, there are guys lower down on the list that we'll get to tonight that legitimately have talent that are maybe hidden gems in on top of all of those things. So the talent is deep. It's rich. Um, it's not perfect. There are obviously some misses and Ryan and I will talk about some of that tonight, but when it comes to the players that are in the class, uh, you know, 
it's hard to beat getting the number one quarterback in the country, according to On3. That's a good place to start, and that's where you always want to start with the recruiting class. And for the first time in the James Franklin era, and uh, we'll get to Charles Power, On3, uh, Director of Scouting and Ranking, he thinks that this is the best quarterback that James Franklin has ever recruited to Penn State. So, great place to start, and I think that that's a, a good sign for the future. So, yeah, 2018, maybe not... There might not be a uh, uh, Micah Parsons in this group, but there's a lot of guys that are in that ballpark, plus you have the quarterback. It creates a lot of questions, and why don't we start with Drew LR, as you talked about, and I know you've got all the tape at your fingertips. Uh, this is just going to be such an interesting quarterback room that Penn State is going to have in 2022 because Sean Clifford's returning, Christian Veyu is returning, Taquan Roberson is leaving, in comes Drew LR, and we will talk about Bo Perbula, who I think a lot of people, as Ryan said, sleeping on. Trace McSorley lauded him earlier in the day on social media, but let's get started with Drew Alar. Um, T. Frank, what do you have in terms of tape? So one of the things I do with T. Frank's film room is some of the breakdowns that I don't just give you the highlights. I give you the journey of the prospect and I give you some of the important points about playing each position along with those talents. So for me, Aller is as much the journey as it is the end product. And as James Franklin talked about it today, he really did it the old school way of garnering that and gaining that number one status over time. So this is really what I looked at early on in his career, and this is at the beginning of this season, is his footwork. And you see, to me, footwork is the number one thing with a quarterback. So you see how this is. Traditional footwork for a quarterback, your front foot has to be pointed towards your target. Your target is not this lovely lady who's taking pictures on the sideline. It's down the field. So when you have that in your uh, on your film, I get a little bit nervous that we're talking just about tools and arm strength. And especially early on in a in the in the progress of this particular play, I'm highlighting here what the play is and what the coverage is to let you know why his foot needs to be where it is at the time that it needs to be there because number one here at the bottom of the screen, this guy has uh, a, he beats his man off the line of scrimmage. That's your touchdown right there. But Aller, as you see, he's not ready to throw that football. This is early on in the progression, but he's doing good things with his eyes. He's doing good things mentally. You see him pulling the safety in on this post route in this cover two in the red zone where that's being taken away. And ultimately he gets into a throwing position, but this is kind of, late in the progress of it it doesn't have to be this hard so that's kind of where we're starting with on the journey with Drew Aller and why early on I wasn't quite sure that this was going to be the guy that everyone wanted him to be especially somebody they could start early on now here we see him doing advanced stuff before the snap identifying coverages making the defense show their hand and then you see in this coverage scheme he knows where to attack he's got his uh, line of sight ready to go and we see the footwork improve on this where, bang, this is a rhythm throw. His front foot is ready to go. He's got pressure in his face. This ball has to be de delivered on time accurately against man coverage, off coverage, whatever you want to call this one. And he does that immediately, gets the ball out there. You see that arm strength when he strides into his throws. So that was the journey for me of a guy that has to be able to do that quickly. Then you see here you have Drew Aller in the pocket immediately ready to go, front foot ready to go, the ability to throw down the field in rhythm, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So that was what I wanted to see from Drew Aller, and that's what I saw over time, and that's what allowed him to become that number one quarterback in the nation and the ability to throw accurately and deliver to all parts of the football field. So to me, 
he earned that. It wasn't just that he's big, physical, and toolsy. The pre-snap stuff, it's there. The off-schedule stuff, it's there. Everything is there for Drew Aller, and that was the last thing he had to do, and he did it. Ryan, I have a couple of questions for you. First off, um, seeing the maturation of Christian Veyu, again, apples to oranges, a guy coming from the Canadian ranks and playing the American game for a very brief time in high school. But my point being, was on campus for about uh, about a year, it seemed, a little less than mm -hmm. that or a little more. I genuinely can't remember the amount of months, but uh, came in and obviously didn't uh, jump in in that Iowa game this year, but then came in during Rutgers and was ready. That's a pretty good maturation process that timeline's not bad do you see something similar for drew alar coming in with this coaching staff ah oh, the thousand dollar question that everybody wants to say can drew alar play early um well obviously with clifford coming back i mean it, i think it would definitely require an injury right i mean clifford clifford's gonna be the guy i think we all know that uh i, I will say this I know he will put in the work behind the scenes. I had a good talk with this coach uh, a couple weeks ago. We did an interview. This coach told me about how he does five hours of prep, uh, film prep, excuse me, in the off season, and that's just with coach. And we're talking about in the off season. We're talking about in July. You know, I mean, that's five hours is, is a lot of time uh, reviewing film for an opponent that you're going to play uh, in in the months ahead. So I think that's big. Uh, and, and that's something that, that Penn State people have talked to me about too. I mean, they know that he's going to put in that kind of work uh, behind the scenes. So that's a very you know, that's that's a major positive. Uh, you know, I, I would say physically, uh, there's a lot of things that are there, but it's all about that mental uh, side of it. Now, he will be an enro early enrollee, uh, just as Bo Prebula will as well. I, I, I would like to think that, yeah, he, he, he's going to challenge Christian Veyu, uh within the first handful of months. But, man, quarterbacks are so difficult to read from that high school to that college level. Yep. Uh, I, I said that about Christian Hackenberg. I guess he did actually play as a freshman, but you know what I mean? We, we've, we've been down this road before and, and, and things change and whatnot. But um, I mean, everything's there. Everything's there for Boker Bula too, as far as um, you know, the intangibles and, and you know, the football IQ. So it's going to be a hell of an interesting quarterback room, man. I'm excited to see it in the, in the coming, uh, coming months and coming years, no doubt. I said it on uh, my podcast, Pater, with Matt McGloin this week, is that I can't remember the last time in the history of Penn State football when you had this many viable options in the quarterback room at one given time. It's really exciting. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Christian Hackenberg, Ryan. There's a lot of Penn State fans that when they see highly touted quarterback recruit, at least in the last 10, 15 years, the thought goes to what Christian Hackenberg was versus what he wound up being. And I think to a degree, there were some disappointments in that. Now, did Christian Hackenberg set records statistically? Yes, he did. But the on-field win-loss percentage, uh, maybe not exactly what some would hope for. There are plenty who would say, oh, it was Bill O'Brien versus James Franklin system that really did him in or something like that. But all the other ones he was drawn... in worked out, too. Just there saying. you go. Yeah. So <laughs> should fans be immediately drawing comparisons between Hackenberg's hype and Alar's hype? No. Uh, so here's the thing. And I was so Hackenberg. Here's the big difference, in my opinion. Uh, Hackenberg, the, the, his issue is coming all throughout high school was his accuracy. You know, we knew that at, when he was at Fork Union and, and it was always, well, if he fixes the accuracy issue, he can go on and, and become excellent. And, and that was just something that never really got fixed. And that's not something uh, that we're really seeing with, with Drew Aller. So that that's the big difference. I mean, there, there was a Again, I mean, the hype was uh, everything else around this one major issue. And, and that was an issue from junior year. It was an issue in senior year. Uh, and then it really, I mean, you know, his freshman year at Penn State, he, 
you know, he was he was asked to do short throws and a lot of put in a lot of situations that, that weren't going to burn him. Uh, and then as as things got a little more complicated, and he was asked to do more. That's that's when uh, it, it became a little bit of an issue at times. So that that's the big difference between uh, Drew and, and Christian Berg in my eyes is just the accuracy isn't an issue for Drew and it was for Christian. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to start the show with the accuracy thing, because that's the thing I was considering as well. Watching him early on is, OK, I'm getting shades of that. And then he fixed it. And that's a rare thing. So that's when we talk about athleticism and we talk about mental approach to the game. That's a huge thing. Ryan, how many how many quarterbacks have you watched over time that actually fix that? And for him to do that so early in his career, I mean, I think it's it's really impressive. And that's really the separator for him. You're the scout. Not me. I'm the reporter. <laughs> you've uh, watched so much film, yes. dude. You've watched you've watched um, as much as I have. I mean, we've seen, you know, I, I would say I, we saw some things with Taquan Roberson uh, coming out. And then I but I, I kind of thought as Taquan got older, too, we that started to go away, too. And, you know, whatever for obviously hindsight, we, we know that it didn't really work out here. But but that is one guy who comes to mind where. You know, we did kind of see that uh, as a as a junior, and then it looked like it was improving as a senior. And you know, whether obviously, I mean, we watch film, but we watch highlight films too. You know, if I if I could watch all of ten uh, ten of Roberson's uh, true high school games, it's all the incompletions and whatnot. It, it would have maybe been a little bit different, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something. It's definitely hard to work on. I mean, it, it takes years uh, working with college coaches and and really quarterback trainers, and that's and that's what Drew Aller's done, man. I mean, he's put yeah. in so much work uh, with with his coaching and uh, training off the uh, in the off season. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. he deserves a ton of credit for that. Well, the positive thing, Ryan, and you touched on it. Sean Clifford is returning for the 2022 season, and it looks like James Franklin is like, great, we have our starter. Now it's going to be giving opportunities for Veyu, Aller, and Bo Perbula to develop. So we might as well keep it with the quarterbacks, T. Frank. What do you say? Taking a look at Bo Perbula, who is kind of the forgotten man as a quarterback in this draft class, um, draft class, uh, recruiting class for Penn State. Um, I mentioned it before, but this is a guy that, to a degree, has drawn some comparisons to Trace McSorley. Um, what do you think of when you see the tape of Perbula? So this is what James Franklin said today on uh, the Penn State live show when they were talking about uh, introducing Bo Perbula and and his abilities and his comparison. And he said that um, he, there's, a, there's a good comparison to be made between the two, but with all respect to Trace... I think Bo can outdo all of those things and be a better player than Trace McSorley. And that's what I've been saying is that Trace McSorley, for as much as he was what he was, he was defined by those limitations of being six foot, barely 200 pounds, uh, you know, not the strongest arm in the world. And Bo Perbula is 6'2", 205 already with the frame to grow. And if you watch this offseason, he put weight on. So he's He's still growing, and to me, that is a huge thing. And we talk about accuracy. And as much as the tools and the talent of Drew Aller is important, and that's going to be what sets him apart, accuracy to me is the number one fundamental that you need to have as a quarterback if you want to even see the field. And Bo Perbula is the most accurate quarterback that I've seen come to Penn State. The ability to put the ball on the money, down the field, to any part of the football field. Because, again, we talk about the, that footwork. This is perfect. Quiet feet to all parts of the field. They do a lot of rollout for him at Central York where he's rolling both ways. Look how accurate, 
calm, collected. Both these guys can throw on the run. That's the thing, too. So the ability to to put the ball wherever you want with that ability to do it on the run as well is, I think, awesome. And you see, again, I'm just breaking this down here where you can see the footwork, the fundamentals, quiet, strong base, back foot in the ground, hips open so you can deliver that momentum down the field and puts the ball exactly where it needs to be. Guys, I haven't seen a quarterback hit a nine route like that in a long time, and both of these guys can do it to hit that go route down the sideline. So I think that's a that's a that's a huge thing. And then again, you see him do it under pressure as well. So the ability with people in his face to accurately throw the ball down the field and make the right decision. Here it is, a five-man pressure, trying to keep him in the pocket, threads the ball over a linebacker off his back foot because he can't step into the throw. The the layering of the football, the ability to throw with people in his face. Uh, and then there's, this is the Trace McSorley stuff. There's just a little bit of a wild card there. Uh, I think sometimes he gets a little bit crazy with that, a little too gunslinger, uh, and doesn't have as much oomph to back it up. But to me... All the fundamentals of a starting quarterback in college, and I'm, I'm just the baseline of a starting quarterback, Bo Perbula has, has all of them, and I'm projecting him to get bigger and stronger and that arm to get bigger and stronger over time. Uh, so, that, again, starting quarterback. And, and whatever the ceiling is of the intangibles and stuff after that is all to be determined by his play and his personality. I think the great thing about the situation is that you've got Sean Clifford, the old grizzled quarterback going into his fourth season in college, who can pull him aside and be like, listen, kid, here's what happens when you run. <laughs> and look at my 2021 season, how much I got dinged up. So uh, I, I think the, the, the Clifford situation was polarizing for a lot of fans. But as you're already pointing out, these young quarterbacks are going to benefit so much just having the opportunity to learn. So. Uh, that's what's going on at the signal, uh, signal caller position. Let's transition to running back because arguably the next biggest recruit that Penn State landed was Nick Singleton. And Ryan, this has been a, a couple of weeks where Nick Singleton's gotten a lot of praise nationally. I would argue that he's maybe number one. Uh, like put it this way, I think I, I drew out. I mean, quarterback. Obviously, it's it's up here, and everything else is down here. Position. I get that, but I would I would argue that Nick Singleton's the safest bet in this class and in terms of reaching his potential. Okay. And that's, and that's again, because quarterback is there's, there's so much else that goes in into being a, a great quarterback. But I mean, with Nick, it's, there's, it's the whole thing. I mean, Franklin brought up today about how like people have this uh, vision that, uh, you know, he's like a scout back or a scat back because he's so uh, he's so fast and he's really, you know, 215 pounds and uh, jacked is all hell. If I'm being honest, I mean, he, so uh, he's an incredible prospect, man. Uh, one thing I'll say about Nick, too, is just everything off the field is exactly what you uh, would, would love to see from Nick, man. Um, just great kid. I mean, that's a big reason why he won that that Gatorade National Year of the War, or National Player of the Year award uh, was because of everything he does off the field, too. But uh, 6,000 plus yards uh, rushing throughout his career, uh, 115 touchdowns, I want to say. I mean, you, you don't do that uh, because you're, you know, just playing weak competition or anything like that. I mean, you do that because you're you're a beast. You're you're on a different level. And oh, by the way, he's playing five A competition in Pennsylvania too. You know, it's not like he's playing uh, single A. Um, you know, Southern Columbia, for example. I mean, no no disrespect to Southern Columbia, but they, but they're always just on a different level than everybody. He's not else. playing Eisenhower and, High School. No disrespect disrespect to my alma mater, but it's not a it's uh, okay. not a school that is K <laughs> through twelve in the same building. He's playing mm-hmm. real competition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, um, it's it's, just a complete package, man. Go ahead, Tom. It's exciting, and, and Ryan, watching his tape there, you see the speed, but you also see the physicality, and T. Frank, I'll come to you on this, because 
I think the one knock uh, out of many, but still like the one knock against uh, arguably Penn State's lead running back right now, and even that's a question, Kevon Lee is running north-south. And now, granted, it's high school competition, but Nick Singleton looks very capable just on the few highlights you just showed that he can put a foot in the ground and get north-south. Uh, yeah. What do you think about this game? I, I made the joke semi-serious that he's he's too serious of a young man. Uh, he, he's too north-south because there's he's just he wants to hurt people. In a nice way, but you know, I, 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 there's, there's, there's not a, there's not as much of that dancing in the backfield. He is super serious, and, and I try not to do this, but you can read a little bit of somebody's personality in the way they play football. You can read a little bit of what they're all about, and he's a hammer. And not only that, we talk about and Penn State fans. Uh, there's not really much to say here about the number one player in the nation, so there's not going to be a lot of analysis. Even my joking analysis of maybe he could cut every once in a while. Eh, eh, it's just lit up a cigarette. I don't endorse smoking, but enjoy these highlights. <laughs> these are from his junior season, by the way. I'm uh, old school like that. So just the speed, the explosiveness. A lot of these are in their triple option offense. It's set up for these things, but. If you set somebody up and you throw a meatball over the plate and he hits it a home run every single time, that makes you Barry Bonds. So, Barry Bonds, everybody. Nick Singleton. Superstar running back. He's going to be the answer to the problems of the Penn State backfield. Explosive, strong. He's 215. I thought early on watching some of those tape, you know, considering what Penn State had in the backfield, maybe he could redshirt, get really big and strong, 215, 220. He's already there. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, playing early is not uh, an unrealistic thing, and I, I'm giving out a lot of superlatives tonight, but to me, he can be the best pure runner that Penn State has had under James Franklin. And you couple that, Ryan, with Katron Allen, also a part of this class. I mean, which of these two guys makes it to the starting lineup first, I guess is the question, whether it be in 2022 or 2023. My pick would definitely have to be Nick, but I, I'll be honest. I mean, Katron's just one of those guys who there's a, there is despite being at IMG, there's there is kind of still like a lack of information. I mean, we, you can watch some of their games on YouTube and whatnot, and um, but but I guess just like his his development as far as what he's doing off the field and and you know how he is physically. I mean, like for, for Nick, I know exactly where he was at you know in August. I know where he's at now as far as. Um, you know, physical stature and things of that sort. We have all these types of testing numbers and all that that we just don't have for Katron. And that's 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 a lot. There's a lot that goes into that as far as when, when it comes to projections and whatnot. So uh, I would have to definitely with Nick. But, um, you know, Alan, Alan's a hell of a, of a, of a north-south runner. I mean, I, there's a lot of similarities between him and Kevon Lee. And uh, I think he'll, it'll do him really well to, to be in the same uh, running back room uh, with Kevon Lee moving forward, but uh, T Frank, you're more the you're more the film guy, man. Uh, what what do you love about Kevon or what do you love about Katron Allen? How about so I, I wanted to kind of limit some of these to make sure we got as many guys as possible. So if you want to mm -hmm. go see his full film room, it's on our YouTube channel uh, on, in the uh, playlist, the Penn State recruiting playlist. But this is the one I picked out that I think is the most indicative of who he is. There is a Marshawn Lynch-esque creativity to the way he runs. Similar size. He doesn't have the speed or you know the overall overwhelming talent of Marshawn Lynch. But this is the creativity that he has as a runner to do things like this. And then follow that up by running a dude over. He has great vision and the ability to set up blockers and set up players on the block. Watch this. Cut off that block, let the block wash out, and then get extra yards after the after 
what would be the point of attack or the point of contact. So that creativity along with those tree trunk legs, uh, once he gets in the Penn State weight program, uh, you know, that is going to really be accentuated in the ability to break tackles and get extra yards. He doesn't have the home run threat of some of these other guys, but it's not like he's going to struggle to break tackles in a number of ways as a Penn State running back. And I think that's the that creativity is going to serve him well. A running back is only good as his offensive line can be, and that has been the bane of the existence of many Penn State fans for a number of years now, and especially this season. It was very difficult to watch the running game. So, Ryan, there were a number of offensive line prospects that Penn State landed today. Um, what's your overall takeaway from that crop that's coming in in 2022? Yeah, good start, not enough. Yeah, is that is that is that blunt enough i mean i think that's the best way to put it right <laughs> yeah uh drew drew shelton is is a guy who has a lot of pressure on him honestly yes uh, you know i think i think drew aller has a lot of pressure on him nick singleton will have a lot of pressure on him because of their ratings and everything drew, drew shelton may be probably third on that list in my opinion just because it's at such a key position and he's the guy with with the higher rating and 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 you know he is a, you know the more the more polished prospect compared to um, Malik McNeil. I mean, Malik McNeil is absolutely going to need time. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. He is a, a physical specimen uh, that will need to be molded, and that, and that will be you know Trout Wine's job. Uh, Shelton, of course, does too. Every offensive lineman uh, in high school will, will need to to work on their technique, but um, you know Shelton is definitely the the one that's closer to contributing, and and because of that, and it's at such a key position. I mean, don't get me wrong. Do I do I think Shelton's going to come in this year and play? Probably not, but. But the following year after that, and you look at the talent and, and, and their depth right now, he's got yeah, he to. might, he, he might, he yeah. might have to. And uh, so that, that's, that's what makes him incredibly important. And uh, what, what I will mention just JB Nelson real quick. He has been on just, I mean, he has been rocketing up Penn state's board. Uh, we didn't, we didn't get to see JB as at Lackawanna, you know, we, he played two games last year. T Frank, remember we were trying to find film. It, yes. it was terrible. It, yeah. it, you know, it was, and even the games they played, it just, it wasn't worth it. Uh, you know, he comes to camp, he crushes it. I mean, he ran up, I think, dude, he ran a, Four eight shuttle at what's his height? I mean, what's his size? I mean, uh, he was three fifty at that point because he had yeah really yeah yeah, been yeah he lost some yet. weight yeah yeah it was it was three it was three I think it was three thirty but yeah. I mean, anyway I mean he's he's well under three hundred is their point um and you know running a running a, a sub five shuttle um you know which which shows change of direction and everything you want to see from a pulling guard um boom I mean that dude the light bulb went off for trout wine i mean boom offered and then they pursued him crazy hard and then when you look at his film then throughout lackawanna i mean t frank you you've looked at it more than i have but uh just steady progression throughout the years he's a nasty yeah. sob when he has to be a nasty sob which is funny because he's like a pretty quiet kid like really laid back seems nice uh, but, but he yeah he's a really nice kid yeah uh, but he gets after it too man so uh, JB is definitely going to be somebody, especially with that junior college experience. That again, it's I, I'm never going to be someone that predicts like I'm going to, an offensive lineman is going to come in here and play next year. You'll never get that from me. I'm a you got to show me it before I'll say that. Uh, but uh, JB is definitely going to be someone who needs to provide depth next year. Shelton will get a year, but man, by 2023, I mean the pressure is on at that tackle position. Take it, D Frank. Yeah, uh, Ryan, how long have we been talking about the importance of Drew Shelton in this class, right? We've mm -hmm. been talking about him as I was singling him up, and I knew that Singleton and Aller were in this class. Ryan's absolutely right about the importance of Drew Shelton because how many left tackle prospects has Penn State hit on? How many tackle prospects? Let's just start with yeah. offensive tackles that they've brought in. 
they need this guy. And the interesting thing is he's 275 pounds. He's a shade under 6'5". He is not a prototype for the position. No. But he is hell of a player, man. Um, you want to get to the film now? Do you want you want to get to this stuff with him? Okay, because yeah, uh, his pad level to me, and this is a little bit another one of those teach tape things, that this is absolutely what you're looking for. This pad level, the ability to drive people off the ball, starts with winning and being the low man. Now, you have to have the mass behind it, but you have to have this right here. Watch that tabletop. Look at, at his pad level. He's, again, almost 6'5". The guy in front of him definitely isn't, and he wins the leverage battle at the line of scrimmage. And he's nasty. He's mean. And look at his, look at So your power in your body is all derived from your hips. You explode from that area, and you bring that center of mass up. Yeah, Tom, I see you in the screen off screen giving me the rundown. Exactly. Everyone who watches football knows all those things. Not everyone can do this. And the guys that Penn State has recruited over time, either they've had the flexibility to get in this position or they don't have the power, or they're, they're very big, they're very tall players, and they can't get this leverage. And this leverage is what wins in the trenches when you have the power behind it. And there's a lot of natural strength for a guy like Drew Shelton. A little bit of technique here, but again, look at this pad level. As a defender, he's underneath everybody. His ability to do this is going to be a game changer as long as he can get up to 300 pounds. He can put the weight on his frame and he can play that position because he's hyper-athletic. This is his uh, a predatory athletic stance where you get low, you explode forward, not up, and then you go get the football or you go block the hell out of somebody. And Drew Shelton... Again, Ryan, is he nice? Because he's the meanest dude I've watched on film. Like, he is Very walking nice. over, putting putting his parts on people's faces and doing things that I was like, oh, that, hmm. But he's he's dominating yeah. people out there. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, great kid. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any much more to add to that. I mean, a lot of these guys are, man. I mean, there, there's a handful of guys I really haven't gotten to know. But, you know, Penn State always does an awesome job at finding uh, quality individuals who – uh, aren't aren't going to make too many mistakes. Somebody probably will. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be like one of them that makes a mistake at some point, right? There's always one. But uh, for the most part, man, these guys get it off the field, no doubt. Ryan, in terms of uh, the offensive line, obviously there's going to be opportunities for uh, some of these guys, maybe sooner than others, to get into the starting lineup and actually contribute early just because the offensive line has been just a game of Tetris, it seems, as this past season has gone on and many seasons mm -hmm. before that. That's not necessarily the case uh, at wide receiver, or I'll just refer to it as pass catcher overall. This is a talented group of receivers and a tight end coming in as well. But considering what Penn State already has, this embarrassment of riches at wide receiver and tight end, um, it might be a minute until these 2022 kids get onto the field. Um, what's your overall takeaway from the receivers and uh, cross, especially at tight end? I would say this. I, I don't. I don't know if I'd say embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. I think that there's talent, but I think guys need to step up and prove it. And yeah. and that's 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 the big question, right? I mean, you know, Parker Washington, I have no doubts about. But even Keandre Lambert Smith, you know, yes, he's playing, but you know, he's he's up and down. Yeah, and and, and, and got benched in two games because he dropped yeah. the ball. And and if you're the third guy and you're up and down and they're still playing you, well, that tells me that he's not being pushed and so that's just something to keep in mind or at least my opinion uh, but there's a lot of talent there don't get me wrong like for, if i'm a fan i'm looking at you know star ratings last year and, and guys that, that can come in and play i mean I, I i expect some of these guys to step up i mean malik mega seems to be the one who's kind of emerging a bit 
Um, but but let's let's focus on this class. Uh, Caden Saunders again. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who uh, can come in and play right away? Boom, there's your guy. I mean, no doubt in my mind, they they have had success with this with with KJ, uh, with Jahan, with Parker, and now you got another one. You know, five ten. I think we have him around like one. We have him one six. I think he's a little bit bigger than that now. But uh, uh, you know, he can make all the plays. I mean, this year he was pretty much. I mean, his film this year it stinks because he didn't have a quarterback this year and he had to play a lot of quarterback and uh, I, I just. I don't mean it stinks as his film stinks. I mean, it stinks that we didn't get to uh, really get to see him in, in a pass catching role uh, throughout the entire year. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. looking at, you know, uh, these are now, it. but <laughs> these yeah, are yeah, it. pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, but I, mean, I, I have seen Caden up close twice now in, in multiple camps and my God, he is just incredibly electric, incredibly explosive. Uh, Greg, Greg Pickle and I did a podcast the other day. I was talking about when I went to Atlanta to watch John Dunmore back in the day. And it was just like one of those, like, excuse my language, but like, holy shit, this guy's awesome. You know what I mean? And then, and then I saw Caden this year and it was just like, I'm not going to say it again, but like blank, blank, this guy's awesome. You know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think Caden has everything that, that, that you could want and ask for, uh, for somebody that can step on the field and play right away. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them cause we, we can take this all day. I just, one other guy I want to say though, too, uh, is definitely Tyler Johnson who, you know, he goes to, he plays at a small school in Virginia, uh, you know, just just doesn't play the greatest competition. I'll, I'll say that right off the uh, right off the bat. But man, I talked to Taylor Stubblefield about him today. I mean, he's done every every little check mark throughout the process has has been excellent for them. And, and you know, when he came here for camp uh, for, from the, the the junior film and then the senior film, which is steady progression throughout, um, good good measurables and all that too. And I, I just you know, we have him as a as a four star on three, and that's because I've been like pushing and pushing that they, you know, they need to make sure they look at this guy and, and our guys have done a great job. Charles, ask Charles about him later when you have him on. Um, but uh, I think overall, when, when you look at the fan base and what they think, and also just, you know, from uh, some other recruiting sites, he, he may be one of the most slept on guys in this class. I, I genuinely believe that. Hmm. We will hear from the head of scouting for On3, Charles Power, a little bit later on here in this. We've got Ryan Snyder with us until about 6.45. I'm sure he's got a busy drinking I can go a little some... longer, whatever you want me for. I got I, Okay, I'll say this. My kids come home at like 7-ish, so whenever it gets really loud and hectic up there, then that's probably that my cue. i got to go. Yeah, Ryan, that's I'm, logical. I'm jealous of you. I've got water here, and I'm severely outclassed this evening. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been drinking for like an hour now, you know. But I mean, I, you're I, celebrating. There's yeah, a lot I to mean, celebrate. It's, it's the end of it's the end of couple. over a year worth of work for Ryan, and and, and not yes. to not to embarrass you here, but Ryan is one of the best in the business to get information. Oh. He helps me out so much when it comes to getting details about guys that I need to do my part of evaluation. What's their actual size? What's what's a good testing number that they have that you can share? And he goes, he talks to these kids, he talks to the recruits, he talks to the people recruiting them, he's got the whole picture. So today he gets to have that beer because this has been over a year with these guys. <laughs> I mean, like, like we said, Caden Saunders, this has been since 2020 that he's been recruited. It's almost 2022. Well, first off, I've been doing this for 12 years now. So if I don't have those kind of connections by now, I need to get the hell out. Uh, and two, this is actually like my second beer, if we're being honest. But uh, yeah, Caden's been around forever, man. Heck, heck of a player. Uh, I hope his, if his dad's watching, um, you know, love Anthony. They, their family's awesome. Just incredible people. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them, man, because they, they were one of those families, too, where you, you kind of – there's always a handful of families you get really close with. Nick Singleton's family is another one for me. Um, and just uh, – just, you know, this is this is a big moment for them. They've they've known it's coming for the longest time now, especially Caden. 
Um, but I'm just happy for them, man. They're, they're, they're great families, and this is a huge moment for them. So uh, as we mentioned, uh, still to come, we're going to hear from Charles Power. We are going to get some sound bites uh, from uh, James Franklin as well uh, that he's put out there in regards to some of these signings. We'll get to that a little bit later on. T. Frank and I are going to go into a couple more positions. But Ryan, while we still have you, um, if as you're looking at this uh, class, who is uh, somebody that was a part of this class that you were kind of like, eh, not too thrilled about? And then who's somebody that Penn State fans should be talking about that we haven't already brought to light i swear to god i'm not saying this because he decommitted today but it was andre roy and i think anybody who's followed me for the longest time actually knows like that i've said that multiple times on the board i don't say that publicly it's just not right but in those private message boards you know we'll talk about it and it's not i mean roy has all the potential in the world i just yep. don't know if it's here and if yep. i'm being very honest i just don't know if it's here because i mean we saw him at camps and he would go well but he's just not one of those guys who gets it you know like he wants to grind he wants to take that extra rep at those camps he's just he's just a very laid-back kid and maybe you know that that i'm i'm overthinking the the two camps i saw i mean t frankie watched this film as well but um i would say i'm trying to find somebody in the class i mean while you're doing that let me jump in about Roy because this is something that i was a little leery on when i was watching his film is there's two sides of that of what what he what ryan just said and then he's a little bit of a hothead and mm-hmm. from just on on film, watching him on film, there's a little bit of you love that domination, but there are times where I'm watching, I'm going, oh, that's a little over the line, or that's a little bit too reckless. And it kind of showed up in a lot of th- different areas in his play. But he's six foot six, 35 plus inch arms. I understood why he's being recruited, but there were just some things where I was trying to talk to Ryan, get more information on him of like, some of the other stuff, not to say he's a bad kid, but just like the on-field play things that kind of gave me a hesitation of, is he ever going to turn the corner or is it always going to be him battling himself of well, not realizing all that potential? I mean, we can say it now. He's not committed. He got suspended this year because he got in a yeah. fight with his coach. Remember that, I, T. Frank? Yeah. We, I, we learned it. I almost broke <laughs> news. Like, <laughs> yeah. T. Frank's like, oh, I'm pretty sure he got suspended. I watched his argument on YouTube and then yeah. I go to Penn State sources about it, and they're like, yeah, um... Let's just keep that kind of quiet for a yeah. second. Uh, yeah, and we he did, just suddenly we were, wasn't in the but, game, and then he wasn't in the next game, and he came out yeah. like at halftime. So that yeah. that was surprising. I, I don't I don't want to shit on Andre Roy though. I mean, he, <laughs> he, it's I, I wish him the best. I, so so one guy I will say that like I, I'm not man that he's in the class, but I just want to see him get after it. It's it's Keon Wiley, and I think Keon Wiley has so much potential. I've watched him play three times in person, and when he flips the switch. The dude is awesome, but he also just takes off a lot of plays. And I, I was just at the Emitep 5A game this past weekend, and anyone who was there, and if you really focus on him, uh, you know, you just see him just kind of one, two, three, press with a guy, and, you know, if it's not within six, seven feet of him, he takes off. And, I mean, look, a lot of guys do that. Makai Flowers will be the first to tell you he does that too. Um, and, and that's, you know, that was something Makai kind of talked about today. It was not outright said, but you, you yep. could tell. He and Franklin uh, and, had a back and forth about yeah, that. Yeah, they had, yeah. Yep. And, I mean, and anyone who's watched them over the years, you'll see him, you know, just kind of being like a diesel. So, I mean, th- those are the guys that, man, if they flip the switch and, and, and they start taking – uh, instead of 70% effort, and it's always 100% effort, because um, you, you don't realize, you know, how, how good they get in those reps. That, yeah, maybe the guy's not going after you, but if you keep, you know, keep working with your hands in different situations, and, and there's, yep. if you're just always going hard and 100%, uh, even when the, guy, the ball's not coming at you, uh, you can still always be learning and getting better. And, and, you know, sometimes you can just, 
you know, get in the guy's head too, you know, yeah. and you never know, it'll help you for the next play. So and, uh, that, and not only just, that, there's two things I'd really say. Go ahead. Not, not only that, you, you don't know the play you can make until you try and make it. So there's mm-hmm. plays on film of Makai where he's beating the corner as the deep free safety. He's beating the corner to the football. And you just want to see that more often because the more times that happens, the more chances he has on the ball and, and, and the mm-hmm. more plays you can make. So those guys, they don't, it's almost like they know their talent, but they don't realize the true potential of their talent. Uh, and the good news is from the sounds of it, Makai does. He's he, that yeah. he's starting to turn the corner for him. And that's always a positive thing to, to see. And you saw that his senior year too, watching his film today. I was very impressed with the turnaround he's made there. For sure. Go ahead, Tom. As you look at the, since we're on the subject, the rest of the defensive backs, uh, T. Frank, I know you've got all the film at your fingertips there. Is there anybody in particular you would like to uh, put the spotlight on here in this uh, National Signing Day coverage? Uh, That's a great question. One of our favorites here is K.J. Winston. Uh, I know that uh, both Ryan and I are really high on him. I love, speaking to somebody that doesn't take plays off, his anticipation, the size, the speed, everything he does, there's... I, I want to know his the upper limits of his physical skills from a speed standpoint, and James Franklin, we'll get to this in a second, gave me an indication of what they might be, but when you see his vision and his football intelligence, the breaks on the ball, this is Jaquan uh, Brisker-esque. So that's that's what I'm looking at as far as the anticipation. Now, he's got to put it all together as a complete package. Big, long, physical safety prospect. I really, really, really liked his film as a junior, and he improved on all these things as a senior. So then it becomes, what can you do with him? What's the multiplicity of him at uh, different positions? Um, that is going to be something intriguing to see is, you know, the once he's filled out as an athlete in the Penn State weight program, what does that look like? Is it Marcus Allen? because I could see a path forward where he is a box safety and an enforcer, and I could also see where he's the complete package, and that's what I want to see, the development. I'm excited to watch that development as a guy who has a lot in front of him. Yeah, Tom, let me, let me talk about K.J. Winston for a second here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, right now, I mean, T-Frag, you know this number. I mean, we have him down as a documented 4840, right? And, and yeah. let me give you some perspective on that, too. Uh, as this was at an Under Armour camp in Baltimore that uh, – was windier than all hell. If you lived in Harrisburg this past weekend and you were out on Saturday <laughs> or anywhere in Pennsylvania, really, yeah. it, oh, yeah. it was crazy hell windy. It was like that kind of that day, man. It was, you know, 30 plus uh, mile an hour winds and guys were just running into a headwind the whole time. So I bring that up as some perspective on on that number. To me, I think he's probably more of a high four six kid, uh, which isn't that bad. I mean, Penn State always wants to find guys who are uh, low four seven and under, especially as a Really more so junior, um, you know, seniors, not probably preferred, but they're basically looking for four, seven and under and you have a year or two to go. You know, they, they feel like they can really work on that and improve that and get you into a high four five range, you know, with, with taking your time and, you know, working with the right people. So uh, to, to me, yeah, KJ's not a burner, but he's an incredibly smart player. And my God, he's awesome with pursuit routes. I mean, that's one thing yep. with KJ is you don't have to be a burner if you're smart and you realize you know, you just, you know, your pursuit routes. I mean, I can sit here and explain what they are. You guys know what pursuit routes are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's huge. You know, I, I watched K I've seen KJ twice now, uh, but one was back when he was young and, but the most recent one was against Emetep in, it was in down in Delaware, uh, which was in September, I believe. And he just took over that game uh, and they didn't, they didn't win it in the end. Uh, but man, he, it was offense. It was defense, which uh, James Franklin talked about that today. I mean, he just, every big play that they needed, 
it was it was KJ Winston time. And we're talking about the math here. I mean, the math has quality guys. I mean, they have they have uh, you know a handful of other Division One players who are going to make an impact. So uh, whenever I get whenever I see you know the the star, the true alpha on an alpha team, uh, that always grabs my attention. And and KJ Winston was at least the alpha that night, no doubt. So I don't know if he's being truly honest here like not to say that he was he was uh being dishonest but James Franklin was extolling the praises of KJ Winston mm-hmm. and he said this earlier today and this is what what piqued my interest about his role going forward has the length uh, that we think can play safety. We think he could also play the star, um, you know, the nickel corner position. <clears throat> and there's part of me that would like to start him uh, at corner to see if see if he could do that. The more guys that we have with those type of bodies that can play on the perimeter and 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 not only make plays with their athleticism but also their length, I think there's you know tremendous value in that. So, do you think that? And, and I throw this out there to you, Ryan, that you got guys like. Zaki Wheatley on on the roster. Now you've got a guy like KJ Winston. Are they liking these long corners that maybe you don't need oh, yeah. all the speed in the world? But if he's talking about KJ Winston, who you just gave the number there, that's not a four four athlete even mm-hmm. at his at his best. Is this yeah, I mean, something still, we see going forward, or is is he just saying like I that's how much I safety. like him? Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's a safety. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, I've said that about other guys in the past. And again, we don't we don't know his true forty. I mean, I know yeah. the situation of that camp. And again, I mean, my hat blew off three times that day. I mean, it sucked. It was it was incredibly windy, and these guys ran into it all day. Deny Dennis Sutton, you know, his times are, are the exact same. Uh, they're 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 definitely off by a tenth or two. But uh, yeah, I, I think long term he's definitely a safety. Safety is an important important position in this class, especially with Enzo Jennings and Tyler Rudolph now off the team. I mean, there is a major void yep. in that uh, you know sophomore junior class when you when you're looking at the scholarship chart. And of course, yeah, he'll he'll be a freshman, and, and you know um, Tyrese Mills is the one that has to fill that. But my point is, they need bodies at safety. Um, and, and they need competition then, too, because you're going to have young guys there regardless. So they, they, they may try and go for someone in the portal, uh, but I think there's actually even more important positions just because of how well Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley have progressed. Even though they're young, they're very excited about those two. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. My, my pick would be safety. And, oh, by the way, good job getting that Franklin clip, man. I mean, that was only like two hours ago. Oh, I've got more than that. Good. We, we're, when we get back to receivers, I've got uh, I've got Taylor Stubblefield, and we got more on denying Dennis Sutton. So I'm putting Good together, stuff. putting all of it together here. We got a full show for you today on the BWI Signing Day Live Show. It's a party. You brought the beverages. I'm bringing the entertainment. I need another one. So come on, let's <laughs> yeah. right now. Sure. Oh, Ryan. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw one more question your way before I know you got to run. Um, one of the feel good stories of the day. Uh, you always love to see generational ties. Um, Donald Driver's son, a former wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, his son, Christian Driver, is a part of this class. He's listed as a defensive back. However, there was some conversation with James Franklin today where he was saying, quote, the coaches are fighting over Christian Driver and a question of whether or not he'll play defensive back, as we were just touching on that position, mm-hmm. or wide receiver. So if you had to make the call, what would it be? Well... Uh, so he added then a little bit too that he's going to start a DB. I uh, that I think that's where Penn State Penn State wanted him at safety. They and, and you know they started recruiting him as a safety, and every other school that was recruiting him was recruiting him as a safety, and that's really what made I don't want to say what made this easy for Penn State, but you know a lot of the top schools. I mean, you go through his offer list; it's incredibly deep, right? But a lot of those schools, you know, from the Oklahomas and the Texas A and M's and a bunch of other those top 
Big 12 or some SEC programs. They stopped pursuing him because he wanted to play wide receiver. And Penn State was one of the few schools, uh, along with Wisconsin, who said, hey, we don't care what you want to play. We want you, uh, we need you, and we're going to push you hard. So long story short, he, he, when he committed to Penn State, he was planning to be a wide receiver. And, of course, that was uh, back in the summertime. And then now, uh, as James Franklin told us today, you know, uh, Christian's had some second thoughts, and he said, you know what, uh, I'm not going to just stick to whatever I want to do. I'm going to stick to uh, what the coaching think is best. And in my opinion, from talking to people, I, I think more people on Lash think that he's a, he's a better safety prospect than a wide receiver prospect. And then when you also add in the fact that they added Omari Evans when they did, it all kind of makes sense now because Omari Evans, it didn't I – mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, they, of course, Omari came in the summertime and – um, you know, he, he was here a long time ago, but just when you looked at the numbers, it didn't quite make sense. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if around that same time they were learning about Christian Driver being a little more open to safety, which kind of makes it a little easier to add another wide receiver. It's all a big circle, uh, which one thing I, I didn't I didn't know uh, one of those uh, uh, kinks in the link, I guess you would say, uh, until today. But um, my pick would be safety. Uh, that was a long answer to say safety. <laughs> no, we appreciate it, man. Um, Ryan, thank you for spending uh, this evening with us. We appreciate That's it. That's it? I'm done? Yeah, you said you had until uh, 6.45, right? Well, yeah. I, hey, I, 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 need, I need a break. So, yeah. <laughs> I will watch. I will tune in, and I will have another. And you thank did, you, everybody. Well-deserved rest. Thank you yes. for joining us, Ryan. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. So we will carry on. Thank you to Ryan for joining us. T. Frank's got a ton, a ton more film and sound bites from James Franklin. Um, I know we'd spoken about it, um, an opportunity to hear from Charles Power, the head of scouting for On3, T. Frank. Um, if there's anything you want to fill us in a little bit about your uh, dealings potentially with Charles, I'd love to hear all about it. Yeah, so mostly we just talked about the quarterback, so we'll have a good conversation about that as well. And then I picked his brain as far as... I think the other end of the spectrum of with with Bo Perbula, he's a three star in the on three ranking consensus. When you take all of the aggregate of all of the the uh, different recruiting services, which is what on three does, is they don't. It's the wisdom of the crowd. You don't just trust yourself. You look at what everyone has to say, and that's what the on three consensus is. He's a four star. So what was the difference there? What 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 is Charles like in quarterbacks? And then. I just kind of got his thoughts on the class overall, and then a couple things that on three is uh, rolling out from uh, different things that are going to be new that you haven't, you're not going to see at any other recruiting service. They're going to change the way uh, that you do things when it comes to the way you follow recruiting because it's going to make things more advanced, more accurate, more precise because machine learning and data is available to everybody, and we're going to take advantage of those things. So with that. Charles really Power. To welcome to the show, Charles Power. He is the uh, director of scouting and ranking at On3, which makes him one of my many bosses. So, Charles, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing this today. I know it's a it's a very busy time of year for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of action with this early signing period, kind of tracking all the movement with the coaching changes and all of that. I mean, I think this year is about as eventful on that front as uh, we've had in a while. So, yeah, a lot going on for sure. Uh, the first thing you said derailed me from what I was thinking about because that is something that has been a big part of the uh, overall college landscape outside of Penn State is, is the movement of, of head coaches. How much of an effect has it had on what you've seen in the college football landscape and who do you think has benefited the most in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I 
in, in terms of who's benefited the most, I think the, the teams that, you know, have some continuity. Um, I, I definitely think teams that are looking to sign full classes, like, you know, take up upwards of, of 20 plus players. It's an advantage for, because there's just a lot of high school players that are available now. I think you're seeing class sizes smaller nationally with teams keeping spots over for the transfer portal. So I think if, if you're looking to have more high school signees, um, I think that like it kind of helps, um, you know, with, with, with your class rings. Yeah. I, you know, I, th- I think there's some, some good players to be had there. So, um, you know, I, I think schools that, that are like, like in Alabama, for instance, um, you know, Clemson had a lot of turnover with their assistants and they had two of t- Clemson's top commits decommitted and were on campus at Alabama. I think eight Texas A&M is one as well. I mean, they, they lost their defensive coordinator. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think they're a team as well. I think Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, I mean, the, the, or, sorry, Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, I think the three schools that have the highest, um, that are currently the highest rated classes for on three. I think those are the ones that you're kind of seeing come in on national players who are kind of up in the air. Um, but the, the new, the new staffs, you're talking about a, a week or two turnaround uh, from getting hired. So it's really hard to expect a whole lot from, from new staff. So I think the staffs that can kind of stay in place are, are definitely seeing a, a pretty good benefit here. Penn State has weathered a bit of that storm with Brent Prime moving on. And, uh, you know, there, there's always some news. There's always an undercurrent of things going on. And just uh, for the record, we are recording this uh, a day ahead of time to work with Charles' schedule. So th- if there's any other news or movement that is happening, it has happened after we've talked here. But Penn State, one of those larger classes, one of those teams that has uh, room for a, a large class. Let's start from a big picture and work our way down to some individual players. What is your overall thought on the Penn State recruiting class in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this has to be one of the best classes that James Franklin signed um, since he's been to Penn State. I mean, I think it's it's right up there with maybe his 2019 class in terms of the the rankings. Um, and I think you can maybe argue in terms of impact players, once you factor in Drew Aller, like there's an argument to be made this is could be James Franklin's best class in terms of on-field impact. Um and, you know, valuing the quarterback position like we kind of all do. Um, so I, I think it's got to be one of his best for sure. Uh, and it's just, you know, quality throughout. It has some difference makers at the top with Drew Aller and Nick Singleton. I mean, those are two guys who are, you know, at the top of their position nationally. Um, and, and then you kind of go all the way through. I think, you know, Danny Dennis Sutton is, is extremely good, um, a guy who – you know, I think has a probably maybe a little bit of a higher ranking ceiling than maybe perceived because he you know missed like some time and yeah you know didn't really get to see a ton of from him as a junior and you know, had a good senior year. So look, what guy we're looking forward to seeing on the All Star circuit. Um, and they just you know I think there's just really good players all the way throughout. I mean, you talk about like the two junior college guys I think could make an impact. Um, it's just a very well rounded class. John about 25 signees and it's kind of quality throughout and then, and then difference makers at the top, which I think is kind of what you want when you're, you know, trying to, to, to build a roster. So is there an area you think it's strongest? I know you, you just said it's strong throughout, got great depth of, of uh, positions and, and talent. Mm-hmm. Is there an area, do you think that they hit a home run and uh, you know, the, the, the five-star guys are, are there, but is there maybe a position group or uh, individual players that you think stand out that way? I mean, I, I I, it's not a sound cliche, but I mean, I had to start out with quarterback just because yeah. I, I think Drew Aller is, is the best quarterback that James Franklin signed at Penn State. It's probably not even close in that regard. And you look at Penn State's roster, I think you could argue Penn State is 
kind of had a playoff caliber roster, but they've really been missing the 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 trigger man um, in terms of being a difference maker, a guy who you feel like you can go out and you know compete with the top like the top teams every single you know week um, and just for on a on a season season basis. So I, I got I got to start with him. I, I think I mean running back obviously adding Katron Allen with Nick Singleton. I mean Katron Allen's probably not talked about as much as Nick Singleton, but yeah. he had a really good year at IMG. Um, and, and kind of really carried that team in some games that they were that were you were closer than you would have thought. Um, so I, I think that's one. Um, you know, I, I think linebacker they added some 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 good depth there. Uh, I think Abdul Carter is a guy who, you know, kind of fits the Penn State mold when you think of like a, a tall, big, fast uh, linebacker a guy who can make a lot of plays. Uh, you can blitz with him. And you know, in terms of numbers, I think they did they did pretty good there. And then and then I would probably say safety um you know kj winston was one who we moved up in the rankings as, as a senior i mean a really good senior video didn't get to see as much of him as a junior so we kind of wanted to see what he looked like um as a senior uh you know uh tyrese mills adding to the safety group so those are probably my main ones quarterback running back uh linebacker with a dual carter in safety but i mean it's a like like we said earlier i mean it's it's, it's a very well-rounded class I mean, it's, it's hard to find a lot of holes here um they, they hit a lot of different positions for sure. Nick Singleton, as you mentioned, top running back, also Gatorade National Player. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, sorry about that. That was a technical difficulty on multiple levels there with Charles Power. Uh, don't hit the wrong button when you're live on YouTube. So apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, we interrupted our conversation with Charles Power a little bit earlier. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll just move on. Uh, some of the things he talked about that he, he was really impressed with with this class. You heard him talk about Katron Allen. And, and then some of the depth in this class as far as there isn't really a weak point. Because some of the guys down on the list, including Abdul Carter, have a chance to be very... Very good football players in uh, the future. So that is a summation of our conversation. So <laughs> he was touching on, uh, I'll point to one name, uh, Danny Dennis Sutton, is somebody who uh, sustained an injury uh, coming yeah. into this final season of, uh, of, of high school play, but still very highly touted, very still highly recruited. Um, what do you like about Dennis Sutton? Well, there's a lot about Dennis Sutton just from the story, and this is this is where Ryan and uh, some of the things that he's he's learned throughout the time of talking to these players uh, to set up deny Dennis Sutton. You have to understand where he came from is at McDonough, 
the majority of his film that I saw from his sophomore and junior seasons or freshman and sophomore seasons, he was playing defensive tackle. And then during the pandemic, when everything was shut down, he didn't have a spring uh, season or he didn't have a season with McDonough because of the COVID-19. He just got shredded. He lost a bunch of weight, got really into working out and changed his body over to where now he is one of the best uh, pure edge defenders in the country. He's a classic six foot five, 255 pound defensive end and uh, a guy that I think not only is he great, but he has advanced level abilities when it comes to his hand usage. So long frame, absolute monster of a football player. And then just watch that. His techniques like that you don't get sometimes with football players in college. The ability to grab, push, pull. He's got a swim move. I mean, he is using the same move on the same poor soul over and over again. But uh, you see, rushing from the interior, he was used this way at McDonough. His junior season where these, uh, this highlight is coming from. He moved uh, to the edge this last year in a more full-time role. Here's one where he's playing on the edge. Just quickness, violence. In the box, he's really good. There's just one area that is standing between him and being absolutely dominant, unblockable monster at defensive end is that he's he's a tall player and he plays high. So this is again, he's gotten better in his since his junior season, but this is where I think he struggles the most still is that he has a high center of gravity. He kind of loses that length and that power when he stands up and he doesn't use his arms and and actually sheds blocks well. So that'd be the one area I'd say that he has to work on at the college football level. But he comes in with so many tools that even at that, you have guys that play that look like him and that have his skill sets that go on and they succeed even with that little hiccup in their game. So everything about him is college football ready. Not the fastest guy in the world. He's not going to be an Adafe Owe running a 4-3-9. He's a traditional, classic, strong side defensive end. But you see the power, the violence, the arm length, the hand usage. Uh, he's going to be very good. It's just then those little things that are going to stand between him being very good and elite. And I think that with the work that he's done already, he's going to get there. And it's a matter of you talked about some of the moves that he has. You can abuse that at the high school level because you can get away with it physically. It's adding different wrinkles to your game as you get to major FBS football. So very curious to see what his maturation process is like. Um, what do it's you gonna think about... It's going to begin quickly, by the way. And and just to get this yes. to, to this for one second, James Franklin mentioned the clock is ticking when Deny gets to school this summer. Six foot five, he's 255 pounds. He's physical against the run. He can rush the passer. You know, so he's not like an undersized defensive end that you're going to have to develop over time. You know, he's he's got the ability to come in and compete from day one, and I think that's going to be his mentality and approach. He's also a very mature young man. Uh, you go to that high school, McDonough High School, everybody is raving about him. That's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we talked about the transfer portal a little bit earlier. If Deny, and you don't want to put this on him, but if Deny can come in in camp and, and prove that he is the guy that all of this says he is, it lessens your need for another pass rusher at that defensive mm -hmm. end position because pass rush specifically is something Penn State has as desperate need for. They, you know, Arnold Ebikiti's moving on. What do you really have in Adisa Isaac? We don't know even with what people 
projected him as before the season, before the injury, we still have no idea actually what he is. You need another guy, and Deny Dennis Sutton is going to figure into the rotation, and the better he gets, the quicker he gets there, the better it is for Penn State's defense. Let's talk about interior defensive line in regards to this class. Um, two guys that jump off the board are Zane Durant and Caleb Artis. Uh, what do you like about these two prospects? I like how well they fit together because I think if you put them together, you have uh, you, you put them together, split them in half, you still have a defensive tackle because you have one the of the side them... of a barn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Caleb Artis, six foot four, two hundred ninety five pounds. He probably has as much potential as Deny Dennis Sutton in terms of raw physical abilities. Which one do you want to get to first? Because they're very different, and I like them for different reasons. Let's go with Zane Durant for 5000 Alex. All right. You picked my favorite because Zane Durant, this is a this is a defensive tackle that's getting a fake punt. This is <laughs> this is the athleticism Zane Durant has. I love so, high school football. <laughs> but, like, it's legit. He looks like a running back. He moves like a running back. He's got a thick, squatty frame. He's an athlete. And I love these athletes along the defensive line and offensive line that look like jumbo-sized versions of regular athletes. And that's what Zane Durant is. He's he's a compact package. Six foot one, 260 pounds. Maybe he's 270 pounds, but that's going to be the only thing standing him be- between him and being a dominant interior three technique. Is He's got everything else. Contact back balance, pass rushing skill, run defense ability. I don't want to say, I don't want to put him in a lot of double team situations, but he's not in a lot of them because he splits them and he's so quick off the ball. That's something Penn State has really needed, that that true difference maker at that defensive tackle position. So then it's just the strength and mass. There's so many guys in this class that it's missing one thing that you can develop. And so many of these guys can hit and hit big. And Zane Durant, to me, is one of those guys that can hit and hit big. And if he isn't a three technique, he's absolutely going to be a guy that contributes at a strong side defensive end or somewhere along the defensive line. He's got the flexibility and the athleticism to run and to chase. And I love that. I love defensive linemen that can chase. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what uh, it seems the position has demanded, at least when P.J. Mustafer was in there and you saw uh, Derek Tangelo really grow into that in the latter half of the season when P.J. Mustafer went down. So there's plenty of space for that. Um, so that's Durant. What about artists? I know you have film on him. Six foot four, 295, 300 pounds. Um, I, there's a little bit of he's at a small school. I think he's still growing into the mentality of his frame and his size, and he did much better against double teams in 2021 and he had a much better understanding of football than on his film and this is another guy who 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 in covid disrupted his football growth there's no doubt about that he, he didn't have a normal junior season he was injured i think to start this year so there's a lot of projection here but look at the size he's working with six foot five 295 remember that i'm going to keep saying that over and over again because again he can run This is not a guy who is a big physical uh, run stuffer necessarily. He started out as a three technique in my mind, and I thought with those two, you've got two different body types getting there differently. This is much more of a power player, but still a guy that moves well, great pad level, athleticism for days. Uh, but he's grown, I think, much more into a one technique where he's able to sustain double teams. And and he's still, like I said, learning football. Football awareness is still growing. Uh, but he's a smart kid because you can see him pick things up. It's just he hasn't been doing it enough because of COVID and injuries and stuff like that, that it's going to take him a little bit of time transition-wise that way. But when he gets it, 
Whew. I'm excited to watch that because that's a football player that's going to make a difference on the football field. Could be that I, I said this about um, PJ Musfer as well, and it almost hit before his injury, his senior season, a guy that can do both be that one technique that can stop the run and be an absolute force in, in the, in as a pass rusher. Penn state has not had that complete guy in a long time because they're a rare breed. And when you find one, it's, it's like gold. So he has that potential but guys always fall, fall within a bandwidth of that. So he's going to be somewhere on that scale. And I think with time and seasoning, he's going to be a very good defensive tackle. And as you talked about, this existing defensive line for Penn State, there's a lot of opportunities. It's not, it's not necessarily the same situation when you look at the offensive line where, uh, to a degree, shambles. This defensive line has ability. It's just a matter of who's going to step up and take those opportunities yeah. and then get those rotational spots. So there's going to be chances for these guys. Um, keeping it on the defensive side of the ball, and I want to thank everybody that's watching here live and jumping in on the chats. Um, there's some conversation, I don't know if you're seeing this, Steve Frank, about Brandon Smith. Uh, he is a bit of yeah. a polarizing prospect. I'll leave it at that. Um, there's a lot of questions about what's going on with this uh, linebacker core, this incoming class here in 2022. So out of the guys that are coming in, who really jumps out to you? Uh, so the, the, the part that I think is, is a little bit hard to read as, um, as Ryan talked about earlier is Keon Wiley is a guy that is playing out of position. He's a defensive end. He's going to play linebacker at the next level. So that's a bit of a hard read, but there is transition skills that we've seen from Micah Parsons and not to compare the two, but the skills he's bringing from a defensive end position is block shedding and ability to play through contact. And that's something that I think guys, even at linebacker, you might think, oh yeah, linebackers can play through contact. But if you're so fast that you never have to actually stack and shed a linebacker, uh, an offensive lineman, Maybe you don't learn how to play through contact. Maybe you always run over and bubble out around offensive linemen and you give up some yards that way. So that's what he's bringing to the table. But then it's the awareness and coverage. What is his overall athleticism? Uh, can you know Where does he fit in that box? Because really, the problem that Penn State has to me right now is they've got a lot of Mike linebackers on, on their roster. With mm -hmm. Tyler Elsden, Kobe King... Those guys are going to be very good Mike linebackers. We might see something like we did with Jesse Lucetta and Ellis Brooks where they split time as far as at that Mike position. But are either of them a have enough coverage skills that they can play that will position where you still have some coverage responsibilities from time to time in the slot or that somebody's got to cover tight ends and that's kind of your job as the will. You're not going to be the spy on the quarterback all the time. So if you project that both of those guys are leaving that are the starters right now in Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith, you can fill that Mike linebacker role with those two guys, and then you have to make a decision. Are you moving Curtis Jacobs over to the will position in the box out of space, and are you putting somebody else at a very difficult position where you've had to find some consistency there, uh, or are you going to leave him there and try to work out the will in some other way? And that is where I think you, you can look at a guy like Abdul Carter, is he has the speed and the ability to be all of it, and the highlights are high. I've got to find uh, his his film here. I'm going through like 20 of them. Um, oh, and by the way, to, to double back and to do something you probably shouldn't do, when I talk about athleticism with Caleb Artis, I wanted to show you this. He's bending mm. over and tying his shoes while standing straight up. This is This is ridiculous to me. This is athleticism. Can you not do that? Can you? 
my lower back would be messed up after that. <laughs> 32 so, years old. Doing great. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I've got stubby arms. He's super long as an athlete overall. So Abdul Carter, to me, uh, the difference between the, the highlights are high for him. His ability to chase and to run. Here you see him playing in the field where he's he's covering in space in high school. So you see some of those. He runs a 4.5. He's 245 pounds already. I love his film on the high end. And if he does play in space, then I think some of the things that I'm concerned with, with his read and recognition in the box, that's not as big of an issue. Um, the He has gotten better at that. So that's another thing I want to I want to stress is his senior film was much better in that respect. But you see, just blowing dudes up, running over or fullbacks in the hole, playing in space, chase and tackle. I really like a lot of what he does. So I, I want him to have time to grow and develop because I still think even when I was watching him as a senior, what I just talked about with Keon Wiley of that physicality to play through blocks. Sometimes Carter takes, he makes a meal out of it when he's, he's bigger and stronger than the guards that are coming after him. Like he's the same size as them and he runs twice as fast. So that's the criticism of greatness of, okay, you're not as great as you could be. So let's get you there. And that's kind of what I see with Abdul Carter is all the untapped potential, which is a little bit unfair at times, but that is his ceiling. So where he falls in that aspect of learning the defense, learning the position, all that stuff is going to determine whether he plays early or not and what position he can play. We've talked a lot about Wiley. We've talked a lot about Carter. What do you think about Ken Talley, another linebacker prospect? Uh, the exact opposite. He played middle linebacker uh, at Imitep. I think he was the one that was at Imitep. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to make people from Philly mad. I apologize. And this is the re- this is this is the reason because one plays linebacker and should be playing defensive end, and the other one plays defensive end and should be playing linebacker. But Ken Talley played linebacker. Um, so then it's just going to be about he needs to grow into his frame. 240 pounds. Uh, he's a sm- on the small side, 6'2". I, he's got the burst. He's got the, the pass rushing, the speed, the skill all there. But then, you know, what is his prototype personality? What What is his archetype that he fits into? Because he's going to have to be a speed rusher at that size. So does he have those overwhelming traits to be great there? Or is he going to be another uh, really good player? that grows into that. Not saying he's going to be Shaka Tony because he's already 240 pounds, but does he have the sand in his pants to be a full, complete defensive end with a smaller frame on him? And then what are his skills outside of just blitzing? Because blitzing is different than pass rush. Listen, if they're putting a lot more money into the football program to make the weight room better and up the training table situation, then he's going to live there. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad situation. It sounds yep. like a lot of guys that we've talked about so far in this draft class. I keep saying draft class. You know why? You know why? Is because all the videos that Penn State football put out today yep. were on the National Signing Day draft. And I was like, draft? Yep. So it's stuck in my head now. And I, I just don't like it. I don't like it, T. So, well, this is an actually another thing that Charles uh, talked about that we so rudely were interrupted by Control Z, which is a hot key for me. <laughs> and also, well, I was trying to copy and paste something. So that's why we got that in the show. Mm. But uh, one of the things he said is when he's ranking players and he's looking at uh, traits he wants in players, it's all modeled after the NFL draft because it's the only other time where players are subjectively ranked. So you're not wrong. And these are future NFL draft classes. That's what these guys Mm want to be. That's why they lean into that during their signing day stuff at Penn State. So I do it all the time, too. 
You're mm-hmm. just the one that has to keep saying it because you're the host today. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, I, I wanted to hit on this earlier with Ryan, and we kind of got bogged down talking about some of the uh, the wide receivers. Um, and, and I use the term uh, embarrassment of riches at pass catcher, um, frankly, because I, I believe that when you look at a lot of the guys that Penn State has. And frankly, it's untapped potential in the likes of the tight end position. Yeah. And I've called them the, the freaks for the entire season, Strange, Warren, and Johnson. These guys are fantastic. However, you do have a tight end in this class in Jerry Cross. So where do you see him playing into the mix there? I So this is another guy who COVID was a real issue for him where he didn't have a junior season. He was another guy that I think was banged up early in his season. And, and, and I always want to be honest with everybody. There is no film on Jerry Cross that I could find that was reasonably evaluatable. So I have some, I've, I've looked at some highlights and I didn't really include them in the, in today's show for that reason is I don't want to be misleading, but he's six foot five. He runs well in a straight line. He's got some good receiver potential where he lines up wide and in the slot. I think he's got great run blocking potential, but a lot of what he's doing is untrained. I don't know that he is from what I've seen, even in his highlights, any sort of real fundamental understanding of routes, route concepts or, blocking, positioning, arm usage, all that stuff. So just a giant ball of clay is how I look at him, but it is a complete incomplete view. I was not able to see enough full games to give you a true picture of what Jerry Cross is. But then that goes back to uh, Tyler Bowen and um, uh, Ty Howell both wanted this guy in this class, and he fits the mold of all the guys that you've seen. He's a true wide tight end. Based on his size, he's not going to be an H back. He's not going to be the Brenton Strange type. He's going to be in line, blocking, kicking out defensive ends. So that's, I, I, he's a, he's the biggest mystery in this class to me. That's a good addition though to this tight end room because there's so many guys that, uh, especially lately with Penn State, have just been strictly pass catchers, and then yeah. it leaves a little bit, <clears throat> it leaves a little bit wanting in terms of the. Uh, the blocking game, and that's something Pat Fryermuth was able to do pretty universally to his credit, um, but there just hasn't been that track record under James Franklin. That's not been the, the mold necessarily, so to get a guy in there that can do those things is a nice addition, and as you mentioned, it's just kind of let's see what happens with the guy, so nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> I believe we've hit every position except one. Punter. <laughs> Alex, I hope I'm saying his last name right, Bacchetta. We're going to give the punter some love. <laughs> well, you said his name, and that's as far as I've gone with him as well. Also, <laughs> I think he's a kicker. There's a good chance he's a kicker. Uh, he's listed as P okay. on gopiususports.com. However, he could be go. a K or a PK or uh, probably not a KR or something like he's that. He's probably not a we'll long slap. Probably not a long I, snapper. Oh, for two in the last two, I apologize. But truthfully, <laughs> like, okay. you know, I, I have, I've got a good understanding of every single ped, every single football position, uh, the, uh, how you run that position, the fundamentals of the position, how you play the game, uh, fundamentals in general of football, defensive concepts, offensive concepts, individual schemes, I don't know anything about special teams. I just don't. So <laughs> honesty time for the show. <laughs> That's your New Year's resolution. We'll, we'll work on it for next season. And frankly, look around the National Football League and throw a rock and you will find a Penn State kicker or punter. Like it is something that we all scratch our heads about while they're playing at Penn State sometimes. And I think we've all seen the issues with Jordan Stout as a kicker, but as a punter, 
obviously he's won a number of awards this season and he's fantastic at that yeah. position. So hopefully the coaching staff has recruited somebody else in that line. You know what uh, it is? Great. You know what it is, Tom? I don't golf either. And there's a big correlation oh. between consistency and the mental approach to golf. I don't have I don't have any knowledge of that. I probably don't have the patience for golf. I am much more of a mm. football person of uh, give me the good idea and then let me go run through somebody. That's kind of more my personality than I am going to methodically approach this the same way. And I got to get my my sports science and my sports psychology in so that my foot swings the same way every time. I'm assuming that's sort of the thing. And then yeah. do you have a boot? Does it come down to do you have a boot? And that's it. Do you have cleats? We'll throw you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've covered just about every position. I do want to wrap up this uh, session and thank you all to all of you that have been joining us um, because this has been a tumultuous season, not just for Penn State football, but also just for college football as a whole. And a lot of the things that have come out in the media in this past week about the disdain of coaches for the things that are happening in the recruiting process and not just active coaches but former coaches there's been a lot put out there uh and t frank i know you keep yourself pretty busy in assessment and the the numbers the statistics the x's and o's the film but as someone watching this narrative kind of play out and seeing these athletes getting more and more opportunities getting more and more money frankly because of nil what's your take I want, because of where what you just said, I want a system that is fair. I want a system that is a, a, a fair, equitable, even playing field for players, coaches, and universities. And I mean that in the, in the spirit of competition. Because this kind of goes to the college football playoff. It kind of goes to the recruiting process in general of there is a certain feeling that um, when Clemson blows through the ACC and then they don't, and then you have Pitt. We go, well, look at the ACC this year. Look how down they are. Or maybe Pitt's good this year. We, we expect like, oh, nobody wants to watch Cincinnati in the playoffs. What if Cincinnati's excellent? What if they are truly an excellent football team that uh, has uh, finally gets the opportunity to show that they can be a Power 5 program? There is this... I have a disdain for that that uh, elitist mentality of we need to make sure that the good teams are good because we like the color combinations on the football field. And I understand that if you're a Penn State football fan, you want Penn State to be great. And there's Penn State is going to do absolutely everything in their power to crush other schools and to keep the status quo as far as recruiting and playing at an excellent level. And if they do that on an even playing field, then there is absolutely, I'll never say a thing. And it comes down to the same thing of, I've said this for a long time on some of my previous shows, some of my previous jobs. Um, there's always money. Money, there. if you need money for a thing and people care about it and people want it to work, there will be money. And that, to me, that's the answer is, go find another revenue source. And that's not my job and that's very fair coming from me from Pine Grove Studio B in my guest bedroom doing this show to say, yeah, you person, go find money. But those are the people equipped to do that. The creative people that do that and go find the money to the outside of the revenue of the actual university and outside of all of the, the rules and regulations, then those are going to be the teams and those are going to be the programs that are successful. I just hope it's done in a fair way in a way that has an even playing field so every university has the opportunity to, with their creative mentality 
and their desire to win on all levels, they can go accomplish it as well. Because I like it when UCF is good. I want to see what UCF does when they're in the Big 12. I want to see what Cincinnati does when they're in the Big 12. I like the idea of... I've always loved the idea of the, the, the growth, right? Growing something from nothing into something big. Because Penn State didn't get here where they are at their position in one day. And just because they have time on their side doesn't mean that other programs who are committed to doing the same thing shouldn't be able to do it over time. And too many excuses are made for that. So it's kind of a big picture question. You asked me a big picture question. So you got my galaxy brain view of the whole entire thing. I love it. I, I think it's a... It's about time that we had some upheaval in college football. Um, I was especially disappointed to see Lane Kiffin, uh, who seems like one of the more progressive and open-minded guys, just shaking his head and saying, oh, it's, it's free agency. Are we all going to sit here and pretend that no player has been paid to attend a university since SMU got the death penalty? Are we right. really going to do this? Right. And then also, by the way, it's a money you know, it's it's about money, right? Gene uh, Gene Chizik said that over reports for the SEC Network, a former head coach uh, at Auburn, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Gene said something to the effect of, "Oh, it's all about money," and it's like, how do you think you went and recruited that kid all the way to Auburn, Alabama, that may have played, let's say, in California? Did you just call him and you just send him a letter or an email or something? You paid for a jet, you flew yep. there, you had all the resources, et cetera, to go do that. And let's not kid ourselves that there may have been things done under the table for years at many of these universities to keep them where they are. I'm with you, T. Frank. This is an opportunity for new blood, new stars, new brands to emerge. And maybe the biggest headline of the day was Travis Hunter flipping from Florida State, granted a not a good football team right now, but a yeah. blue yeah. blood program, one of the most respected brands in the history of college football, and flipping to Jackson State, which is not a blue blood program. Yeah. Now, Jackson State, obviously, their head coach is Deion Sanders, primetime. Yeah. And obviously, there has never been more focus put on historically black colleges and universities, which is fantastic. However, the game has changed. It was something we saw happening at the professional ranks where athletes were getting far more control over their futures. And now they're getting it at the collegiate level to the tune of millions of dollars. So I say, let's let's have at it. Let's yeah. have all the upheaval. Let's raise some hell. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there will be problems that come out of it. There will be things that I'm not comfortable with. There are things that you're not comfortable with. But at the end of the day, if it's that's always I, I know that this is going to come off as kind of an aw shucks yokel thing. But as long as it's fair, as long as we get to a place where it's a fair competition, it's a fair fight. And, mm -hmm. you know, it may never be there, but as long as we're striving for that. And if the NC, this is the other thing. And the last thing I'll say is like, I wish the NCAA had been doing that of not trying to repress things and repress change, but trying to find an equitable, fair footing. And James Franklin has talked about this before, of we're changing a lot of these rules. Are we sure that everyone's going to be playing by the same rules and the same footing? And I think that's a fair question. You have to navigate that. Somebody has to be monitoring that, and it can't be the Wild West. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a path forward. Just because you put, look at all these problems. Look at all the problems I presented you. You're presenting problems. There's always a solution to problems. And for too long, we've just allowed those problems for us to just throw our hands up in the air and say, well, look at the problems. It's over. Great, great, great idea, but problems. It is the Wild West. So yeah. bring, bring your six shooter. <laughs> I'm excited yeah. for it.
So uh, thank you all for joining us here on this recap of the first day of the national signing period. So there's uh, probably going to be more news in the next couple of days. And and who knows, somebody might transfer tomorrow. <laughs> there's yeah. so much that can happen to you, Frank. And I see plenty of people talking about it in the comments section. So thank you all for joining us. Selfishly, I hope you'll tune into the Pater podcast myself with Matt McGloin, wherever you get your podcast. He is Thomas Frank Carr. You can check him out on basically every video that Blue White Illustrated does presented by On3. Thank you so much for joining us and congratulations to Penn State, the number seven class for 2002 on National Signing Day. Thank you.